Hey, it's been a while. Welcome back. Brian and I have taken a hiatus for the last few months. Frankly, there's a lot going on in our lives. Uh, exciting things for sure. Um, and time has just been incredibly scarce. But hey, I'm sure you've noticed our new branding and logo. Just want to thank the amazing Joy Paulson for putting in the time and the work to get our new design going. And we're personally loving it. So thank you so much. Uh, for doing that. As the creator of this podcast, I want to be the first to tell you that we are going to be taking a slightly different approach to the Skeptic Disciple podcast for the next few episodes. Uh, It will just be me. Um, Now, you've heard a lot from the Skeptic approach, and I would also like to give you more of the Disciple approach, because if I'm honest, I am both a Skeptic and a Disciple. Yeah, me. I know. I know you're probably thinking Brian's a skeptic and I'm the disciple and I know there's some discussion, some rumors about that going on. So I just want to clarify that we are both skeptic disciples and hopefully that (laughs) clarifies that for you. Um, But maybe, you know, if you stick around long enough, you'll find out or you'll begin to understand uh, where we're coming from, or in this case, where I'm coming from. So that's that's my goal anyway. But now on to the reasons for the new approach. From my personal observations, it seems that many of us are struggling in life right now, whether it be grief, burnout, anxiety, depression, just feelings of impending doom. All of it has just really hit us recently. So here we go. I'm going to take off my skeptic hat and put on my disciple hat. Now, here's the deal. The skeptic side of me questions everything. But, well, you know, honestly, I'm tempted to doubt. The disciple side of me, however, knows that there is a God and that I am somehow incomprehensibly in relation with God. Even the skeptic side of me can't ignore Jesus. Sometimes... It would be easier to let everything go, to just forget about everything, to let faith go, scripture, religion, church, whatever you want to call it, just all of it. But it feels like a cop-out. The disciple in me will not allow that. I can't just give it up. That's not how this works. The only reason I want to give up is because it would be, quote-unquote, easy the easy thing to do. I just don't want to do the hard work of wrestling with doubt and faith. I can't just see this difficult challenge and give up, right? Granted, even faith isn't easy. It's going to take wrestling as well. And some of you might say, well, why make things difficult for yourself if you could just save yourself this whole ordeal by simply not questioning well my answer because god gave me a brain that wants to know how things work and a mind that created a mind that wants to know things i don't believe we'll find pleasure in hiding things from it and quite honestly even considering all of the ideas of anthropology biology evolution nothing really explains the origin of consciousness for me. That's the key. I respect the ideas of God that religion has given us. 
I just don't think God is locked into a book put together thousands of years ago. Keyword, locked into. Or phrase, I guess. And there you have it, friends. I think things that we say here will continue to be controversial, whether I want them to or not. Uh, But discernment is key. Here we go. As a teen, whenever someone asked, and it was usually a pastor, whenever they asked what our favorite Bible verse was, I would try to sneak out of the room quietly or just hope and pray, stare at the floor, whatever it was, just so that I would not be called on. I hated being put on the spot. If I'm honest, I still hate being put on the spot. Now, I didn't have a verse to quote from memory. Truth is, I never read the Bible as a kid. Um, It was read to me or I heard it at church, but I never really picked one up and read it. It seemed kind of odd to me, but the expectation seemed to be there. You know, you're a good kid, so you must read the Bible. And that means you must have a favorite verse, right? You're in church. So, duh. Well, truth is, I didn't. I didn't read, nor did I have a favorite verse. But I did have a respect of the Bible. I knew it held wise words. I had heard it at church. I heard it at home. I knew that people said it was God's word. But if you asked me then, I wouldn't have been able to give give you an actual verse that was my favorite. Now, if you ask me now, I'll tell you that I do have a favorite verse. And it comes from 2 Timothy where it is believed that Paul is encouraging Timothy to lead despite being very young. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. It's the one verse I've repeated to myself more than any other. Whenever I've been down, whenever I've felt like giving up, whenever I don't know what else to do about something, if I fear something, if I'm hesitating to take on a challenge, I read that verse to myself. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Now listen, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, he says. And what is cowardice? Well, it's defined as a lack of bravery. And what is bravery? Well, that's the courageous behavior or attitude. So what is courage then, right? And courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. It's strength in the face of pain or grief. To be courageous means to not be deterred by fear or pain. I recently watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I know that there's some fans out there, other people who just don't care for it, but... You know, I know that there's this new series on Amazon um, and I've been wanting to watch it, but I want to see the original, uh, the, the trilogy. Anyway, you know, we watched it for a few nights with my wife. Um, took us a few nights because obviously these movies are incredibly long, so we have to watch it in pieces. And as we watched them, I noticed a recurring theme of courage, bravery, and faith that just kept uh, just was so unavoidable. I, you know, honestly, I also did not realize how gruesome the last of the three movies was. 
I don't know if you remember if you've watched it, but there's a scene where the enemy orc army is catapulting the heads of decapitated soldiers over the castle to instill fear. Um, and Gandalf himself is repeatedly shown a telling soldiers not to give into fear, to have courage, to have faith, even as these heads are flying over their walls and landing near their feet. And he even tells them at one point that if they have to die, that they go down courageously. Now, what I'm about to say may seem a little out of character, especially having said things about war and violence in the past in this podcast. And I think, you know, we all have room to grow, whether that is theologically, personally, etc. I believe that the reason many of us find interest in stories of war is not because of the violence itself, but because these stories tell us something we know to be deeply true. The fact that nature and life itself can be chaotic and difficult by default. We each know that we cannot simply expect things to be easy in life. Uh, I mean, look at even the building of a civilization itself is a violent act against forces of nature and of human opposition. I'm not making an excuse for the way things may have happened in the past. I am saying that life, though, is essentially difficult and that each of us are capable of facing difficulty precisely because we have been gifted with something that we all call consciousness. And here is where fear exercises its power. It's in our minds against our consciousness. Fear can enslave us. It makes us hesitate. It can deter us from taking on a life-altering journey. It can stop us from becoming what we could potentially be, what God made us to be. God gave us the ability to move about. And the question is, what are you brave enough to move toward? Too many of us get stuck waiting for God to give us things, when in reality, God has given us abilities and an imagination to think of solutions and, and courage to move towards those solutions. Look, I'm, I'm still learning this. It's not easy. But when you do it, it just, it just feels right. Like a part of you is awakened to the fact that you are made in God's image. In other words, the chaos tamer, the creator has also given you the ability to face chaos and make something new out of your situation. God won't just make things for you. He won't make things happen for you just because. Like, why would he? You are what God made to face reality. So get up and start moving. Do not be afraid. God has given you a spirit of power. That's a big deal. Not that you can simply claim power over people and push people around because, you know, God has given me power, so I'm going to lord it over you. No, you know, he's given you a spirit of power to face the moments that your biggest temptation and challenge would be to give into fear. I'm not advocating to go bungee jumping off of bridges because God said, have no fear. But if that's your thing, I'm not going to stop you. You do you. Just putting it out there for you daredevils out there, <laughs> dare responsibly. But it's like what I'm trying to say is it's not just a spirit of power. Um, it's, it's more than just that. The verse tells us that it is also a spirit of, of, of power, of course, 
but of love and of self-discipline. So not a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power. Not a spirit of cowardice, but of love. Could it be that love is the antidote to cowardice? Let's put it this way. Nothing in life has made me personally confront my own fears as much as love has. Love dares to make a move when we would rather look towards self-preservation. In a sense, love also exposes our cowardice, but it doesn't simply expose it. If powerful enough, if, if it is truly love, it will push us past our comfort zones. It will push us past the excuses and lies we give ourselves and others. It will force us to change, to move, to grow, to face fear and possibility of failure. Love motivated Jesus to face death on a cross. Love for people and love for his disciples, but not without first facing his own panic attack in the Garden of Gethsemane. Praying on the floor in the garden, knowing what was coming, he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, please let me take it. It was a terrible moment as Fear approached him and knocked on his door. Let me in. I'll save you, says fear. Or just give up. It's a useless cause. I should clarify. I'm not saying that if a relationship is obviously unhealthy that you should stay in it. Practice discerning between fear and just having common sense. Some of us have been so conditioned to think that taking our leave is the same as giving into fear or giving up. It isn't if you've given all of yourself. God has given us not a spirit of cowardice, but of love. Not a spirit of cowardice, but of self-control. Self-control. Well, the one thing we need most, but want least Self-control is even listed as a gift of the spirit. The thing is, no one is ever gifted self-control. We have a misconception about this, I think. God doesn't put it in a box, gift wrapped it, and, and, and put, puts a bow on it and hands it to you on your birthday. That's not how that goes. Self-control is cultivated. Self-control is difficult. But when you really think about it, it's about telling our bodies and, and telling our, our certain, certain thoughts and certain emotions that we have that the conscious part of you is actually in control. Nothing will make you more aware of this than when you override your body's desires for what you consciously choose to do. A quick example is uh, something that's kind of popular these days is uh, the practice of taking cold showers in the morning. Like, have you, have you ever tried that? You can be 100% on board with it. But the moment you're about to step into that shower, your body tenses up and you hesitate. It's that moment when you get to exercise control over yourself and force yourself to do it or shrink back and let your body have control. Self-discipline is difficult because you cannot gain it by doing comfortable things. You, you have to do uncomfortable things. You have a conscience powerful enough to override things like that. But if you do not exercise its power, you will never know what you are truly capable of. Discipline is what creates habits. Good habits 
build a good life. It's all about the small moments in which you choose a difficult, uncomfortable thing. It's each moment that you make yourself step into cold water. It's every moment you're feeling like shrinking back, but make yourself move forward. God has given you a spirit of self-control to achieve great, great things. You need self-control because in order to achieve these things, you have to practice facing uncomfortable things. Just think about all the difficult things our ancestors must have faced compared to the difficulties that we face. I'm sure there's a world of a difference. I've never, for example, had to hunt for my own food or grow it myself or build my shelter or make a fire. I mean, unless I'm camping, which I love, but in general, Paul knew that Timothy would need to be reminded that he had abilities, but that they must be cultivated. They must be built up. They must be practiced. And you do too. We all have the potential, but we need to convert that potential into reality. Paul didn't tell Timothy things would be easy. Instead, he says, sure, this may look difficult, daunting, scary, but guess what? You have been given the privilege of existing in this time, in this moment. And you have been given the privilege of the gospel and of knowing God. God has not given you a spirit of cowardice, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Hang on to these teachings at all times, knowing that you were called, you were designed to face life's difficulties. You are God's child and therefore have it within you to become self-disciplined, to learn to love well, and through these to exercise power in the face of fear and uncertainty. So take heart, have courage, do not give up, get back up, keep going. Within you, within you, you have been embedded with the ability to create, to overcome challenges, and to ride the chaos wave out onto the shore. Life is not easy by design. You were meant to do difficult things. So go on, chaos wave riders. It's the calling of the day, the week the year, decade, and our lifetimes. Do what is given you to do with gratitude. Remember, it's not the position that makes the man, it's the man that makes the position. Adios, friends. Thank you for joining me for one more episode of the Skeptic Disciple Podcast. Keep in touch, and we'll be back next week. Adios. Adios.